0: is that among all our young people, there are some faces missing, and that's because of what I said in the announcements this morning. I know even over the course of this weekend, some of our families were driving off to other places to take their kids off to college. Be grateful, Petula, at least yours is staying close to home. A lot of people are going to be a long way off, and uh, I guess for a lot of you, what school started last week, right, Lumberton and Beaumont started on, on Wednesday. And then Lamar starts, uh, what, this coming week sometime. Some of the band kids aren't here because Lamar for them started today. Yeah, they've already got commitments this evening that kept them away tonight. But, but we're back at that time of year when, when everybody is headed back to school. And so one thing I want to say to the young people tonight is that's a good thing. Uh, it's good to go to school. It's, it's good to get a good education. And your mom and dad want you to do good in school because there are all kinds of blessings that come in your life when you, when you get your education. In fact, Max, I would even contend that there can be some spiritual benefits that come with edging educating ourselves even in the world's education. So go, go to school, do good in school, work real hard at that. Um, but we want to talk to you tonight at this changing of the season because there's also some dangers. When you go back to school, I don't need to tell you that because we talk about that all the time, right? Uh, uh, You're going to go mix with a new crowd of people when you go to school that doesn't look like the crowd that's gathered here tonight. And there will be people in that crowd who would like to, if you'd let them, lure you off in another direction, into some things that God wouldn't want you to do. And I need to be honest with you about this too. Sometimes when you sit in class at school, especially the further you go along, those of you who are getting ready to go off to Lamar, you're going you're gonna to hear some things taught in school that are in conflict with what you're taught in the Bible. And so we understand that as you go off into that setting, which is good for you, there are also some dangers that are there. And so since it's that time of year, we thought we tried to share with you some things tonight that will help you with that and we're taking our cue tonight from our study in Genesis because all year long we've been going back to the beginning right because we've said back at the beginning there are some very basic principles that we can learn that help us with everything in our lives and so if you look at the slide behind me what we've decided to call tonight is back to basics. We want to talk to you about some of the basic things that you believe as a disciple that actually will help you to do the right thing when you go back to school. And so all three of us are going to speak tonight. Uh, Max is going to get up. He's going to talk to you a little bit about Jesus. And then Reuben is going to follow. He's going to talk to you a little bit about the Bible. And then finally, uh, I'll wrap up and I'll talk to you about what I think is maybe the most basic thing we all believe as Christians and how that will impact you when you go back to school. So, Max, get us started. Let's talk about Jesus.
1: Thank you, David. What's up, guys? You going to school this week? How many of you go off to school this week? All right. Trey's going off. Yeah, going off to school. Great. You know, going back to school can be a challenge. In fact, just being in school can be a challenge. You know already that there are going to be numerous temptations that you're going to face. And not only will there be temptations, But there's also the challenge of trying to excel, to learn, to do well in school. And it makes a difference how you do in school. Uh, You do well in school. That's a precursor to doing well in life. I wonder what would the Apostle Paul have to say if he were here tonight to speak to you guys? What, What would Paul say to you? And someone says, well, Paul was an old guy. What would he know? Listen, Paul spoke to young people. In fact, when he went on his second missionary journey, he actually took a young man with him. When you look at Acts chapter 16, verses 1, 2, and 3, you see that Paul takes a young man named Timothy with him. And it may be that Timothy was as young as 16 years old, and here he is going off on a missionary journey with the Apostle Paul. Now, that was about 50 A.D., about 20 years after the church began, Timothy goes off with Paul on this journey. But about 15 or 16 years later, when Paul is about to die, as he writes his final letter, the book of 2 Timothy, well, at that point, uh, Timothy may have been as old as 30 years of age, and yet here's what Paul wrote in 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 12. He said, Let no one despise your youthfulness but rather in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity. Show yourself an example of those who believe. And even though Timothy by this time is probably about 30 years old, Paul still refers to him as a man of youthfulness. So how young was he when he first went off with Paul in Acts chapter 16? What I want you to see first is that Paul saw value in young people. And he saw that young people could be used by God in his service. Now, when Paul wrote that last letter, 2 Timothy, at the end of his life, he was already to be offered as a sacrifice. He reminded Timothy of the challenges that he was going to face after Paul, this aged man, after Paul is gone. And he wrote to him in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 3 and said, endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And so Paul knew that, you know, he wasn't going to be with Timothy any longer. And so he tells him, endure hardship because you are a soldier of Jesus. Paul gave him one piece of advice, one particular thought in the book of 2 Timothy. And I want you to turn in your Bible now to 2 Timothy chapter 2. And I want to look at verse 8. And he gave Timothy one particular piece of advice That if Paul was here tonight, he would give you the same piece of advice, okay? 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 8. And listen, if you've got a paper Bible, great. I want you to take a pencil and underline the first three words of 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 8. Now, if you're working with an electronic Bible, that's sort of what I'm doing tonight, except I have the large print edition. Be careful. <laughs> if you have an electronic Bible, chances are you can highlight words in there. And so I, I want you to do, and I've highlighted those first three words in yellow on mine here. That text, second 2 Timothy 2.8, says, Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, descendant of David, according to my gospel. What Paul had taught Timothy was the true gospel, okay? When he says, according to my gospel. But I want you to notice two particular thoughts in this text, and both of these thoughts affirm your faith. He first of all says this descendant of David. Remember Jesus Christ, descendant of David. Jesus, guys, Jesus is the true Messiah. He is the real thing. He is the only Savior. He came from the seed of David. Now, you go off to State University. Trey, I know you're going off to State University. And it may be that you sit in a class under a professor who says, your faith is wasted, faith is no good. Remember Jesus Christ. He's the descendant of David. Uh, Some of you may go off to school, and maybe in school you're interacting with people of other religions, and they say, well, Jesus is not the only Savior. There are many ways to heaven. You remember Jesus Christ. Why? because the text says he was descended from David. He came in fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy that had been made to King David and to others. Prophecies, listen, there are at least a hundred, at least a hundred easily identifiable prophecies that were made concerning the first coming of Jesus. And no matter what anyone else says about any other religion in the world, only christianity has that kind of verifiable proof you see god told god told king david he said someday there's going to come someone from your descendancy who is going to be raised from the dead he is the true messiah and so when you see this text second timothy 2:8 where right in the middle it says as it speaks of jesus it calls him descendant of david All these prophecies that were made in the Old Testament prove Jesus to be the real thing, the genuine Messiah. But the other thing I want you to see remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the text says. Paul told Timothy to hold on to this fact. He'd already told Timothy in this same chapter you're going to face some hardships, it's going to be tough for you sometimes. But no matter what you face, you hold on to this truth that Jesus is risen from the dead, and it will give you the courage to face anything that you may, may be faced with. The resurrection of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus from the dead was attested by eyewitnesses. And I want you to, re- to understand the significance of that. You know, Paul was about to die for what he had seen for his testimony. It wasn't just what he believed. You know, there are suicide bombers in in Israel and in other places around the world who are willing to die for what they believe. Paul is willing to die for what he has seen. He is an eyewitness of Jesus Christ. Paul was ready to die because of his testimony of the resurrection. He had seen Jesus and spoken to Jesus after the resurrection from the dead. And so remember Jesus Christ, he says to Timothy, Remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead. The resurrection of Jesus contains the promise, the proof, and the pledge of God that he's going to take care of you. He'll take care of you and bless you in this life, and he'll bless you in the life to come. So whatever the new school year may bring, remember Jesus Christ. Think about him. He will sustain you. Make good choices. Temptation. There's going to be temptation to engage in immorality temptation to look at pornography maybe some kid at school is going to show you something on his phone you remember Jesus Christ there's going to be a temptation maybe to cheat on a test or someone ask you to cheat you remember Jesus remember who he is drugs and alcohol may be another temptation that you'll face you remember Jesus That will sustain you through all these trials. There may be bad language, the people around you using bad language. You remember Jesus Christ. Lying, lying to your parents, lying to your teachers. Remember Jesus Christ. That will help you to overcome temptation. But there's the other side of the coin too, and that is living a right life. You know, it's one thing to avoid temptations, but it's another thing to practice righteousness. God wants you to be a person of honesty to excel in your studies, to work hard, uh, demonstrate godly speech. Remember Jesus, all of those things. You can be stronger in school because you remember him. You serve a risen Savior. Where is he now? He's at the right hand of God where he is seated on the throne of majesty. He serves as your intercessor. He serves as your mediator. Remember Jesus because he remembers you. God bless you. Reuben?
2: Well, Max had y'all in 2 Timothy chapter 2. Turn over to 2 Timothy chapter 3, just one chapter over. In this context, Paul talks to Timothy about the importance of Scripture, the importance of God's Word. Uh, we all know 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16, all Scripture is inspired by God that's what i want to talk with you a little bit about tonight because paul thinks that it's important for timothy to read to study and to live scripture well that's the message that we need to hear also that's a message for our kids as parents we need to make sure that our kids are reading studying and living scripture. So that's what I want to talk about. I got three points from 2 Timothy chapter 3 about the importance of reading scripture, and I don't have a very long to get through those points. So let's jump in. Why is it important for us to read scripture, to live scripture? Why is that important? Well, it's important because of the alternative. Do you guys know what a world without scripture looks like? Well, Paul tells us, starting in verse 1 of 2 Timothy chapter 3, avoid such people. In this context, in the context of 2 Timothy chapter 3, there are two groups of people. Uh, The first group of people that we see in, in 2 Timothy chapter 3 is a wicked people, a very unrighteous people. And Paul talks about these people from verses 1 through verse 9. And then once we pass verse 9, get into verse 10 to the rest of the chapter, we see a different group of people, a righteous people. More specifically, We see Timothy. Timothy is righteous. And you have to ask the question why are these groups different? Why is Timothy righteous, but these other people very, very wicked? Well, the key to answering this question is found in verse 10. In verse 10, this is after Paul has talked about these very wicked people. In verse 10, he says, you, however, you're different. Why? You have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness. Paul tells Timothy, you're different because you're following my teaching. You're following the words of God because Paul is inspired. It's more explicit down in verse 14. Actually, let's start in verse 13. It says, while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived, but you, you continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Paul says you're different from the alternative. You're different from the rest of the world. Because you're reading scripture, you're studying it, you're living scripture. So we need to make sure, and we need to make sure that our kids are in the word of God. Why? Because the alternative is horrible. The picture that Paul paints is this picture of anarchy, where people are just doing whatever they want. They're lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. That sounds like the world we live in, doesn't it? That sounds like the schools that we send our kids to, doesn't it? It's all about me and my happiness, what I want to do. God doesn't really matter. You know, we sometimes wonder, what's the, what's the big deal with reading the Word of God? What's the big deal with being in the Word, reading Scripture? Well, the world with Scripture is an ugly world. That's the big deal. So we need to make sure as our kids go go back to school, we need to make sure that they're in the word. Because the alternative is horrible. But that's not the only thing we see in the book of 2 Timothy. We also see we need to uh, the importance of reading Scripture. Scripture is important because Scripture is honest. Let's pick up in verse 10. Verse 10 of 2 Timothy chapter 3: you, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. What do we see in these verses? We see that Scripture doesn't lie or try and sugarcoat things for us. Because there are people who would do that. There are preachers out there who would tell you if you do everything right, if you follow God, nothing bad will ever happen to you. You'll live a great life. You won't come across any of the storms. Well, the people who hear that message, what happens to those people when the storms finally come, when they finally do go through hard times? Well, their faith is shaken. That's one of the number one reasons why people aren't believers. How could a good God allow bad things happen to his people? See, if we're not in the word, we aren't prepared for hard times. We need to make sure that our kids are prepared. We need to make sure that our kids are in the word so that they know that persecution does come. They know that maybe uh, some of their friends will make fun of them because of what they believe. They know, so they know, that some people might call them stupid because of what they believe about the world. See, Scripture is honest. Scripture doesn't try and sugarcoat things, and that's why we need to be in the Word. And if 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 we're just honest about that, that's a good thing, by the way. The fact that Scripture is honest fact that scripture doesn't try and sugarcoat thing, that is a good thing. If we can trust scripture regarding the hard times, by, by the way, if you're trying to get someone to join your cause, that is not the message. That is not your sales pitch. By the way, you're going to be persecuted. That's probably not going to be the first thing that you say. But if we can trust scripture regarding the hard times, then we can also trust scripture regarding the good times. And that brings me to my final point. We need to read, make sure our kids are reading and living scripture because of the reward. Let's pick up in verse 14, 2 Timothy chapter 3. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. In these verses, Paul tells Timothy that the sacred writings are able to make us wise for salvation. Paul tells Timothy, if we read, study, and live Scripture, then we have a reward waiting for us. You know, some unbelievers, some uh, atheists, don't believe that we truly live. They believe that you know we we want to live, but God is just sort of holding us back. God has put us in a box of His rules, but that's not the way it is, is it? Some people may think that they're truly living now, but true life doesn't come until eternity, and we gain eternity by reading understanding, and living scripture. I'm sure every parent in here wants their kids to have a part of that, to have a part of that reward. Well, if you do, we've got to make sure that we're in the word with them, teaching them about what God expects from us. So as your kids go back to school, make sure that they're in the word because the alternative is ugly, because scripture is honest, and because there's a reward waiting for the faith. David. Amen.
0: So Max reminded us about Jesus. He's the real deal, right? That's what Max said. Remember him. Reuben reminded you about Scripture and the need to be in Scripture. With all the books you read, remember mom and dad. Scripture's more important than algebra. Well, just about anything's more important than algebra, sorry. But... uh, All the other study they do at school is secondary right to what's in the Word of God because the Bible is the Word of God. And then then I told you I wanted to get up here and talk to you about what is probably the most basic thing we can believe. You see where this is going? That there is a God. I assume that of everybody here. It's Sunday afternoon. It's it's 548. I can read it on the clock without my classes, David. Um, You're here because you believe that what I would like to say to you as I wrap this up is if you believe in God then that too begins to have an impact on what you do when you go back to school so you got your Bible grab it head over to Proverbs 5 so I want you to think about how your belief in God impacts what happens at school first of all I want you to remember that this God we believe in is a God who sees it's interesting that Max brought up the temptation to commit sexual immorality because in here in Proverbs 5, that's exactly what he's talking about, specifically the sin of adultery, that a man who would have sex with another man's wife, but you could apply the principles to having sex outside of marriage altogether. And as he's talking about that problem of sexual impurity, he says in verse 21, this is interesting, he said, for the ways of a man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he watches all his paths." Do you think about that? So as we go back to school or go to work or whatever it is we do every day, I don't know what you retired people do, the windows of heaven are open. And God sees everything that we do. I want you to remember the God who has blessed us and who has been good to us, we've celebrated today the salvation we have in his son. You look around in your life and listen You are richly blessed. All of us here are. If you doubt that, look at some of these places in the third world where people are just trying to eat today. We were trying not to eat too much today, right? This God has richly blessed us, and he watches what we do. And I think that should motivate us to want to behave ourselves. What a terrible betrayal to have a God who has been so good to us. And then we wander off outside the eyes of our parents and we start doing things that are completely against him as though though he doesn't see. I thought as I was putting this point together, I thought about Peter in Luke 22. As he's betraying Jesus. Remember how many times he betrayed him?
2: Y'all should say something. Three. But the third time was different. Because the third time says,
0: after Peter denies Jesus, the third time the text says, the Lord turned and looked at him. So whatever what's happening, at that moment, at that moment, as Peter's denying
2: Jesus... Their eyes lock. And I don't think Peter was ever the same
0: after that, do you? Imagine being in the act of betraying the Lord and all of a sudden you're looking at him. Now that's exactly what we do. When we rebel against him... And we sin. The heavens, are, the windows of heaven are open. He looks and he sees. When you plop down in front of your phone in some private place and put up some porn, the Lord is there with you. Or when you go off in your boyfriend to his house while his parents aren't at home and you determine to go in his room and have sex with him, the Lord is there too. You are betraying him to his face. Was Wow, that's heavy. Hey, if it will keep you from doing the wrong thing, think about it. He's the God who sees. He's the God who cares. In fact, in 1 Peter 5 and verse 7, look over there, 1 Peter 5 and verse 7, Peter urges us, cast all your anxiety on him. Why? What does the text say? Because he cares for you. So I want you to know that about this God who sees. He's not like the cop McCop, cop hiding behind the curb waiting for you to mess up. He's also the God who who cares about what happens to you. And so I know, sometimes when you go off to school and, and, and you're sitting in a class, maybe be people at Lamar, be sitting in a class of, of 100 kids, more than 100 kids, and you're looking around and you're thinking, I'm the only person here who really, truly cares about serving Jesus. And you listen to the things that kids say, and they only reinforce that, right? I'm the only one here who cares about serving Jesus. I'm here, I'm all by myself. No, you're not. God doesn't ever leave you alone. In fact, in Psalm 34, in our hour of trouble, the Bible says that he draws near to the brokenhearted. Psalm 34, verse 17 is where that is. So I want you to remember that the God who sees is also the God who cares, and and with him you are never by yourself. So I don't care how many of your kids at your school don't care about God, aren't interested in God, I don't care how many hundreds of kids are in that college lecture hall, you are not by yourself, ever. The God who sees is also the God who cares. And then the last thing I want you to ponder is that he is the God to whom you will give an account. That's the last thing I want you to think about. This time Hebrews four. Will you go there? Hebrews four verse thirteen. Hebrews four thirteen. And notice the connecting thread between this and the passage we read in Proverbs five. Hebrews four thirteen, and there is no creature hidden from his sight. But all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. And so the Hebrew writer actually repeats what the writer in Proverbs said, that God sees everything we do. Doesn't matter how hard we work to do something in private and secret and hide it from our mom and dad. Trust me, I'm a parent. We're not that bright. It's not that hard to hide things from us. But my kids don't answer to me. They answer to God. And he sees everything. Even what's going on inside my heart. And in verse 13, we are reminded that this is the one with whom we have to do. And so that connects this morning's lesson with what we're talking about tonight. There's a day coming when the trumpet's going to sound. And Jesus will return. And every human being will answer to him for the kind of life that they have lived. I want you to carry that with you, not as a burden, but as a powerful spiritual impulse. I have this God who is watching lovingly, who cares for me, to whom I'm going to answer. Take that thought with you every single day, let it become a powerful spiritual impulse and help with those temptations that Max talked about. Help you do the right thing. When mom and dad aren't around, nobody at church is around. It's just you. It's just you and the God you believe in. Okay? Will you take that back to school with you? Go ahead and click that slide over to the invitation song because we're going to sing this to encourage anybody who has not made their decision about Jesus. I love this song, There's Power in the Blood. That's an old song. I've been singing that since ever I I, I, I can remember. There is power in the blood to wash us clean and make us new for God. We're going to celebrate that in this song because maybe... Someone in this audience needs to make that choice so that you will be ready when the trumpet sounds. When the trumpet sounds and he comes, that will not be the source of fear. You're going to be able to confidently go before God, pure and holy and sanctified because you've been cleaned by the power of the blood. If you need to do that. We invite you to come to the front right now while we stand, while we sing.